Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome back to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and we have an awesome guest with us today. As I've told you all before, I absolutely adore podcasting because it gives us all access to amazing people who have really experienced some some tough things in their life and have learned amazing things from that. Today, we get an opportunity to talk to Lolita Guarin. Now, when Lolita arrived in the United States about two decades ago, she was juggling 50-hour work weeks taking on projects and additional responsibilities to prove her capabilities. She was scared of saying no to her coworkers, and she found herself overworked and eventually succumbed to burnout. The stress eventually caused her to collapse on her kitchen floor. I feel like most of us can relate to that. Lolita, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be here, Dana. Awesome. Now, I noticed that you were seeking out natural stress management solutions. You embraced like improved time management skills. You learned to decline additional burdens and even adopted a healthier diet and and incorporated some exercise. But despite all of those positive changes, you felt something essential was missing. Tell us about your journey, because it seemed like you really did so much, and and all of those things sound wonderful, but yet it wasn't quite enough, and something was off. Something wasn't quite getting you where you needed to go. What was it? What was missing? And just start wherever you would like. Tell us about your journey. Um, So as you already mentioned, when I came here to reach my American dream, I came from Lithuania, so I wanted to prove to myself and the rest that I can do this, and I pretty much did what majority of people do when they work in the workplace, just doing the best to meet the deadlines and get those um, overtime hours and just prove themselves and the coworkers and supervisors that they are, you know, um, needed in the company. And I'm always being afraid that I'm going to get fired. <laughs> you know, like if yeah. I think the supervisor asked me to come to his office, I'm really scared. Like, oh my gosh, I'm being let go off, you know? Um, and so, as you already mentioned, I, I well, just got to the burnout and um, I start doing all the regular things that they say, like, oh, writing a diary and doing meditation, doing yoga. Uh, but then I realized, like, okay, if I, if I see something's happening in the room it's not, and it is stressful, there's no way I'm going to say, okay, hold on, wait a minute now, everybody. I'm going to do my yoga session for 30 <laughs> minutes. I'll be right back. <laughs> So that is one thing is uh, that they thought, okay, well, this is all great. All of those things, it's kind of like a leisure things, you know, like you can schedule into your day. And I totally recommend everybody doing that. We do need to take care of ourselves. We do need to pencil ourselves at a very busy schedule. But I was doing that and it really improved my health a lot. But I didn't really feel like it was like the bottom of it. But since I didn't know what the bottom is, I thought that was kind of enough. Uh, and then uh, when I became a stress management coach, and that was like 10 years ago, uh, I was 
you know, like usually uh, solopreneurship, you know, I was wearing all the hats and doing the marketing, the website and all these things. Um, and I was reading a business book and it was talking about, you know, how to run the coaching business. And the author mentioned that what helped her a lot, uh, of, she realized that her father was an alcoholic and she read the book that was for adult children of alcoholics. And I was like, what? I mean, this thing exists. Like, I was just blown away because I grew up in a dysfunctional family too. My dad is an alcoholic. And now those listeners who are thinking, oh, wait, you know what? I don't need to listen for the rest of the podcast because guess what? My parents are not an addict. <laughs> guess what? Uh, we all have trauma, childhood traumas. You could be, you know, and I have clients who they come to me and they said, I am totally burned out. I cannot do this anymore. I'm all stressed out. Um, but I grew up in a perfect family. I'm like, mm. okay, meaning you probably your emotional needs were not met. Because if you grew up in an environment where you were not accepted the way you are, or you didn't get enough attention or love and appreciation for who you are, you understood that, oh, if I'm not being loved for who I am, I'm afraid I'm going to be kicked out. And this is goes very much into our survival brain of we need to be accepted by the group in order to survive. Aha, mm-hmm. uh-huh. so if they don't like us, then we think, oh, I need to be useful. That means you're going to start doing all the work for everybody else. You're going to do this people-pleasing. You'll be afraid to say no. You will be useful in the house, especially if you are a kid. You will, you know, you will try to help your parents to do your good homework and cook and clean and help other siblings. And then when you grow up, you become a workaholic. And the society has a tendency of like, oh, look at those achievers. And, you know, I tell you, just the other day I was listening and there's a quite a few um, documentaries on Netflix um, um, about few people. I'm not going to say about who, because maybe I don't know whatever people <laughs> think. Very famous people. And they were talking about their childhoods. And I realized that they had very oppressive fathers. And they were trying to prove to them, like, look at me, look at me. You see how good I am. Please love me. And so when I read this book about adult children alcoholics, I realized, like, oh, my gosh. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. And that just unraveled everything, how I react any situation in my life how i react to stress because you can have two people in the same room and something happens and if one grew up in a dysfunctional family he will be acting very differently than the one that knows or already healed let's say to the point that they can regulate themselves their emotions and their stress levels so yeah so i then then that was the point when they finally realized like aha you know (laughs) Aha. Uh-huh. So that means a lot. And I learned a lot from that. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to spread my word and saying, look, there is more to than just meditate or do yoga. I love this. I love everything that you're saying. You are spot on. You're hitting so many nails on the head. And I wanted to kind of reiterate something that you pointed out. You were saying to the listeners, you know, if someone's listening and they're thinking, oh, well, this doesn't pertain to me because my father wasn't an alcoholic. The thing of it is, you can have, if there is a person in your home that is significantly, has some kind of significant mental illness, it could be bipolar disorder. 
It can be some kind of personality disorder, like borderline personality disorder or, you know, something along these lines. If there's someone in your home that is dysfunctional in some kind of way, then you get exposed to a lot of that. They, they call it ACOA, adult children of alcoholics. You get exposed to a lot of those dynamics, um, even though the person wasn't specifically an alcoholic you know, that, that research was done around those dynamics of those families to figure out what happens in the family that's wrapped around this person who has a significant issue, you know. And so I'm, I'm really glad that you pointed out that it doesn't necessarily have to be a parent with alcoholism. It can be a parent with, with anything, with anything significant, you know. Or uh, grew up in the... In the family where there is a, a narcissist. Yes. That's that's also what's a lot of neglect, emotional neglect can happen for a child. Yes, that is huge. Narcissism is a is a really big deal. And I really would like to to hear you more you know, talk more about, you know, the difference between what we when we're kids, you know, we're kind of born into that environment and we don't have any control over that. We have to survive, like you were pointing out, you know, we have to feel we have to be useful so we don't get abandoned. So we don't get rejected and abandoned. We have to stay in that group. And then what happens, you know, from your experience, you know, when when someone gets older and they're no longer a child in that environment, but they still have these these dysfunctional patterns from when they were a kid. What has been your experience yourself and also what you've seen some of your clients go through and trying to navigate how that impacts them as an adult? There are quite a few things that I think that really helped me a lot. But the number one thing, and I always recommend to my clients, is stop abandoning yourself. Mm-hmm. And someone can say, what do you mean abandoning yourself? I take myself everywhere, everywhere I go, right? I'm sure you heard this is, uh, you know, when somebody asked me, oh, are you happier here in the U.S. now that you don't live in Lithuania? And they say, it doesn't matter where you live as long as you're happy. And anywhere you go, you take yourself there. But if you abandon it, and let me explain. Okay, so you grew up in a family where your meets were not met. And... And I'm not talking about like you being totally neglected, like you had no food and walked barefoot, you know, like, no, that's even not getting enough of attention or validation for your feelings um, or not getting enough uh, credit for the things that you do or like for good grades that you got. Basically, you're not getting your fulfillment on emotional level. You will, because of fear of survival, you will do anything that they tell you to do, right? And so let's say there's a part, let's say, let's say you love singing and that's the part that you love about yourself. But if the family or, you know, siblings or, or whatever, you get the idea that, oh, shut up. You have no voice. You stop doing that. Uh, you will separate that part of yourself and take it away because you think, oh, this part of me, it's embarrassing. Um, this part of me is not welcome in the world um, or maybe even punished. Um, you know, I was listening to another famous person on a Netflix documentary, and he said that his father didn't want him to sing. And um, he threw away all the records and told him never be interested in music when he's this great musician. 
So when you think about it, that's a serious childhood trauma. So obviously, if you grow up separating this part of yourself and meaning you neglecting this part of yourself, you are just, that's how the shadow is created. If those who are the marginal into self-development, this, then you push away yourself. And then there are some other things that somebody doesn't like. And you, you push away, you dissociate yourself from that part of yourself. And with the sad part, what happens about this, when you grow up, there are so many parts of you that you abandoned, that you feel lonely. And, you know, when I was uh, reading one of the books about shadow work, it really struck me so deep uh, when they said, when you grow up in a, in a dysfunctional family, when somebody tells you, I love you, you don't really believe them because you think you don't even know me. How do can you even can love me? Um, so that's the abandonment is you're abandoning yourself. And now how is that, how you can see this in everyday life? Uh, when you're afraid to say no to people, meaning you will be, you will be allowing them to force you into doing something. Um, also let's say now is, you know, new year. So everybody with new year's resolutions and the diets and the gym is full and, you know, the goals and all this. And there's so much of, um, you know, there's so many speakers and all those success gurus uh, that I'm not going to mention names again, there are a lot of them, that they say, you know what, you just power through it. It doesn't matter where you came from. You're just going to power through it. You just do your affirmations, you do your work, and you go. And you know what it is? You're abandoning yourself all over again, like your parents abandoned you. So now, instead of your parents listening with the, what they tell you to do, now you're listening to the guru, what they tell you to do. But the bottom line is this, still, meaning the message to yourself is, I am not enough. I constantly need to run to the horizon. Then guess what? Horizon never arrives. And, you know, all of those, uh, if you look at the, there's a lot of those gurus that say, well, you need to accept yourself and live in the moment. Yes, accept yourself. So my advice is this, like simple. If you just started your diet, or your gym routine, whatever. And one day you wake up and you said, you know what? I feel not well. And I don't really want to go to the gym, but I have to go. And then you going to the gym, you're not really honoring yourself. You abandoning yourself. The same as your parents abandon you. So that day when you say, you know what? I don't want to do this. You honor yourself. You honor your needs. You give the support and appreciation to yourself. And you tell yourself, you know what? I don't feel well today. I'm going to be on the couch. You know, Lolita, I, I really admire and, and respect what you're saying. And I'm, I'm known as the queen of boundaries. And so, and I'm also a psychotherapist. And so I can hear so much truth and authenticity weaving through everything that you're saying. And I'm hearing stories that I've been told from, from countless patients that I've had. And as I'm hearing you talk, it's like, if we have abandoned ourself, then it's virtually impossible to set healthy boundaries with someone. Because what I'm hearing you say, and please correct me if I'm wrong and, and, and certainly add on more, it's like if we are abandoning ourselves, we become a people pleaser. We become all about what someone else wants. When we're doing that, we cannot, we're not able to set healthy boundaries and have our own stuff and honor our own feelings and our own thoughts 
because we're too focused on someone else's because we don't even know what we want because we're not even paying attention to that. We have abandoned that. Am I hearing you right? Yes. And the boundaries, uh, as you know, it's not only for the other people, but boundaries is for yourself too, to identify who are you. But if you've been told from the young age that who you are is wrong and you were not allowed to speak up, you were not allowed to be you, to have your opinion, to do things, to have your feelings, and you were constantly invalidated, you grew up with the lack of identity of who you truly are because you become this chameleon every time when you talk with somebody else you just switch into person that they want you to see so setting uh, healthy boundaries with other people really starts with setting boundaries with yourself and for someone can uh, like you know when i heard this you have to set boundaries with yourself it really triggered immediate response in me as a as a you know as a child of alcoholic it was like Oh my gosh, you mean I'm still not good enough? I have to punish myself more because I understood setting boundaries as something bad, you know, like you're being punished. That's why I'm setting boundaries. Here's a little area you cannot cross over. But when they finally understood that, it really means that I have permission to be myself. This is the time for me to discover who am I? What do I like? And then starting really honoring yourself of voicing out the opinions that you have to other people, not listening to other people, what they tell you to do when you really feel like this is not the right choice. Start listening to your intuition. Start doing things that remind you who you are. Rebuild this. Making, you know, setting the boundaries with yourself is knowing who you truly are. And then you can set boundaries with other people. That is fabulous. That is absolutely 100% true. You, you've got to, I, I say you have your own yard and then there's a fence and then there's the other person's yard is on the other side of the fence. I want to wrap back around to something you said earlier that I think is really key. And I was interested in, in your, more of your opinion on it. You had mentioned what it was like when you're being raised in an environment where the parent is rather narcissistic and trying to make room. And I think sometimes maybe finding ourselves for the first time as an adult, not necessarily rebuilding, but building for the first time, because what are your thoughts on what, what that's like when you're being raised in an environment where the parent is narcissistic and it makes it all about them, what they want, what their needs are, what their feelings are, if they're upset, if they're not upset, everything's always about them. And how, how do you feel like that impacts someone trying to find who they are as an adult? It is very difficult um, to find yourself when you're constantly catering to somebody because then your well-being depends on the other person because obviously you are the codependent one and you want to make sure that the other person is always happy, they're satisfied, and you're constantly looking for approval. You know, I remember I was still in my... Uh, before I started having health problems and before I dove in into my uh, realizing, okay, I need to take care of myself and start meditations, all of the, all the self-development journey. I remember I was in my like early thirties. I'll still call my mom and tell her all about my day just to get approval from her. And now when I look back, I'm like, that's ridiculous. She doesn't need to know ev everything I ate today. Uh, but because I was still that child and I felt like I need to have this approval. Um, when 
I started, it really sparked um, the beginning of self-development and any journey or any goal that you set for yourself, really you need to understand that you are worthy of doing that. And if you grew up in the, uh, with the childhood trauma, you know, there will be a moment when you just woke up and you were not in the place where you wanted to be and you will be super hard on yourself. And, you know, I, 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 I read this, um, this article and it says, if you grew up uh, with a narcissist, you are behaving towards yourself the same as narcissist did to you. And first I was like, this is not possible. And then I was like, wait a minute, that is so true. Because I realized I am super hard on myself as well. And since I want to be always approved and I want to be this achiever of showing, look at me, look at me, you see how well I'm doing. I'm working 50 hours a day. You see how good I am and I get a bigger paycheck. And uh, but obviously that didn't go well. Uh, and I remember one exercise that really helped me to start seeing my own value is when I read uh, one of them, I think it was Jack Canfield that he said, um, write down all of your achievements on a piece of paper. I had issues with that. I immediately thought, no, no, I am not good enough. I'm like, what achievements are you talking about? Okay, well, um, I finished high school. I finished university. That's my achievements. And then he says, no, you need to do small ones too. And I was like, okay, well, if I compare myself to, in, myself to other people, well, there's some, that, and, and he said that in the book, like, Okay, if you say you have a driver license, other people don't even have a driver license. Put that on too. And so when I start my, my, my journey with my coaching clients, I tell them, write a list of all of your achievements, no matter how big or small they are. And then you can look at this list every time when you feel uh, you doubt yourself. You know, you're about to take on your project or you want to do a diet or those dipping moments, you know, when you're like, ah, I'm not going to make it today. Forget it. And <laughs> You know, I when, <laughs> I realized that since I grew up in a dysfunctional family, for me was was all or nothing at all. So one day I'm flying colors like, yes, I can do this. And the next day something happens and I'm like, ah, forget it. Ah, I'm done. I'm never coming back there again. But that's because it's, it's swinging from left to right because I grew up in this environment. And so now I know when I started dipping in the thinking, oh, you know what, I don't think this project is going to go well because I do not see the results yet. I take my list and I read it to myself. It's kind of like to remind myself that I'm worthy. I already accomplished lots of things. And even if my parents didn't see my worth and I was not rewarded or validated for the things that I achieved up to this point, it doesn't really matter. But there is one key that really helped me. And I know we don't have time really too much, but one thing that really helped me to come to peace is realizing, you know, when I when I find out first that, oh, I was an adult child of alcoholic, immediately there was this thing of like, oh my gosh, I'm broken. And this is it for me. Because you can succeed only if you're not broken. But now I'm broken and there's no more life for me. But then I realized, no, you can heal and you can you can move on. And but there was lots of diff different stages of anger towards the way I grew up, uh, grief of the childhood that I didn't have, um, all of those things that I had to really pour out of me. And when I finally understood that really childhood trauma goes from generation to generation, and my mom or my dad, they were behaving the way they're behaving, it's really 
um, they were soothing themselves. The addiction, the narcissism, it's really the, the mechanism to suit yourself, your own pain, because they themselves really didn't get enough of that attention or whatever they were lacking as they were children. Mm-hmm. And especially I come from Lithuania. So uh, in Europe, we had lots of wars. <laughs> There's always a war, some war going on. So when you think about all the loss that goes from generation to generation and the parents trying to do the best for their children with, you know, lack of food or whatever. And I'm saying that Europe's always starving. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying simple needs cannot be met because, you know, other needs need to be met. And we don't know how to regulate ourselves emotionally. Like that's like in the entire world, no matter what generation you look at, I realize that they are the same wounded children. And when I release that burden from myself of just forgiving them for who they are, uh, really made a very big impact for me that now I can have a very healthy relationship with them. I can go for Christmas and I have no resentment because I look at them as other human beings who just need love and appreciation themselves. I love that. So here's a question for you, because because I've run into this situation before of, of what you're describing. And you have situations sometimes where the parents, you there can be forgiveness because all of that icky stuff that happened was in the past when you were like a kid growing up and they're not really behaving that way now. What advice, what words of wisdom would you have for people who's who they understand everything that you just said, you know, they understand that their parents went through, you know, a hard time and everything that their parents were doing was a result of something they were struggling with on their own. And they probably did the best that they could, but for different reasons, the, the parents are continuing to behave in these dysfunctional ways, even well into the, you know, the adult years and everything like that. So what would you, what are your words of wisdom for people that are trying to have that forgiveness and, and want a relationship with their parent, but their parent is continuing to, to engage in these abusive or dysfunctional patterns, they're, they're not going to stop. If we happen to have any listeners that are like that, what would you suggest for them? Uh, one of the things I realized when I, that I grew up in that kind of family, I realized that I was feeling personally responsible for my parents as well, how they were behaving, were they happy, were they whatever out of survival. So when I grew up, I also thought like, oh, they, they have to improve their lives. Or so I, I have clients who they have parents who they still alcoholics and they're like, but I have my own children now and I want my dad to come over for Christmas, but he's, he's keep on drinking and I don't want my, my children to expose to this. <clears throat> so what's happening is we need to realize one thing. Everybody have their own lives. And I love this saying, you can take the horse to the river, but you cannot make them drink it. You have to honor yourself and your own journey, but also you need to honor their journey too. Maybe they're going through something and if they really want help, then you can help them, but you cannot force the help onto them. You can ask them, let me know when you need help. But other than that, you have to honor their choice to do whatever they're doing. You cannot force them. Also, what comes to, let's say, a client who says, well, I really want my, my father to come over, but he's drunk and I don't want my children to be exposed to that. Mm-hmm. is to realize that, first of all, she probably still has this need for validation from her father. Uh, that's why she wants him to come over. So he say, oh my gosh, I really see how wonderful you are and have this beautiful family in the house. 
So that's one. But also she loves her father. She wants that father to be in the family. But the boundary needs to be drawn. And I'm sure you can teach about that. It's like, you need to tell them, if you want to be around my family, you need to be sober. And number one thing, if you especially have family and children, your children is number one priority, not your parents. That just comes by nature. And you cannot force anything. You, you can tell them, you can help them, but you always need to take care of yourself and your own family first and your own needs. And I have clients who they tell me, I don't have time to do my five minutes meditation every day because I'm so busy and I'm a single mother with two kids. I'm running the business. And I said, you know, who's going to run that business and take care of your kids when you will be in the hospital? Nobody. So you take care of yourself now. So if somebody says, I want all to please all of those people and I want my father not to drink and I want all of this, start with yourself and give yourself time, set your boundaries, help yourself so you can help those that you love. I love that. That is amazing. Um, now there's a, a question here that I did want to ask you. There's several, but I think I'm going to try to pick which one. How can individuals cultivate resilience? I love the concept of resilience. It's just, that's amazing. So how can individuals cultivate resilience, particularly those with challenging backgrounds to navigate conflicts at work and in relationships. So I like the resilience thing, just to be able to keep coming, even though they're, they're taking hits and keep, keep coming. And also I'm interested in your, your comments about the relationships, how they can have resilience in relationships, because we know when we've gone through dysfunctional things growing up, and if we have a parent who's been narcissistic or this or that alcoholic, whatever, fill in the blank, then lots of times we have trust issues. And we expect people to behave a certain way. And also there's that unpredictability that we were exposed to. You know, sometimes the parent is fantastic. Sometimes the parent is taking us to the park or giving us compliments. And then the next day, the parent is totally different and saying very different things. And you never know who's going to walk down the hallway. You don't know who, which parent is going to be there that day. And so you live with this constant not knowing and, and thinking, okay, it's not, it's not stable. It's inconsistent. You don't really know what's going to happen. And so as we grow up, that plays out in our relationships. We don't trust. We're like, yeah, well, you might be this way today, but how are you going to be tomorrow? How are you going to be next week? And so we kind of are expecting that. So I'm very interested to hear your words of wisdom on how to, how to develop that resiliency as adults in trying to form relationships. So, you know how they say, be the, be the storm eye in the storm, right? Just, just, just be in the world, but not, you know, what's the Jesus said that be the, in the world, but not all, not of it. And uh, when I uh, read that a few times, I was like, huh, well, that's easy to, you know, to say. I mean, you know, when you have everything in the control, that's awesome. Uh, but how did you not get triggered by all the people and the relationships? It really starts again with first, realizing that you are enough you are enough as an individual that's mean when you're starting your little you know you, you set your boundaries with yourself you're realizing who you are and then when you get to the point of okay now i know who i am you're honoring your needs and i bet your need is not really to be triggered by your parents or by your significant other who says something oh i cannot believe you do this again whatever you know like so you you need to pay attention how you react to triggers and then really work from a place of who is the most important right now in this moment. 
And am I that child who thinks is helpless or am the adult now that I can take care of the situation? And the more times we will stand our ground, we set more boundaries, we will learn to trust ourselves because we're like, oh, you know what? Last time I said no and nobody, guess what? Nobody died. (laughs) So I'm going to say it again then next time. And then you at work, you'll say no to projects or you say you don't like to do something. And then you say, hey, how about I will do something else? And then you see that other people react differently to you now and you start carving out more space, more time for yourself. That's mean you're honoring yourself more. And so then we get to the point of this, now you know who you are. Uh, and then remind yourself that you cannot control other people. You have to honor themselves, them too. What helps me a lot when I get in the stressful situations right now, especially with my parents, because they always, they always would trigger something. Now I look at them as the other individual who also has needs. And for example, when they throw a tantrum, I do not act so much anymore because I look at them as like, oh, this is a three-year-old child that's throwing a tantrum, even though it's my mom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I see she has this tantrum. I don't have to go down the hole with her. I just can observe her. I can give her that space and I can nod and just agree with her. And if she can throw some sentence to me and she says, oh, you know, you gain weight, you need to go work out. Before, I would say, yes, 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 mommy, I'm going to work out. And, you know, you try explaining yourself and, and please her. Now I just said, yeah, you're right. I will, I'll do the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. And agreeing so much, realize like it's just like, okay, you just give them what they want the moment, but you have to know at the same time, you are you. You are, you are your force of being a sovereign. I, can, I don't think I'm pronouncing that word right. And... You give them what they want and you stay where you are. And the more you start repeating uh, situations where you have in, in, you gain more trust, then the more you trust yourself, the more relationships will be not in the place where you, you get triggered so much. I love that, Lolita. I love the, what you're saying about we, we learn we may not be able to trust other people sometimes, but we increase our trust of ourself, that we're able to trust ourselves and That's awesome. Now, we're about out of time, but I did want to make sure that all my listeners are able to access you if they want to be able to talk to you more or get, you know, hold of your products or whatever. Where do they go? So they're welcome to go to a website, beamazingyou.com. Also, they can find me on Facebook. Just search for Lolita Gurin on Instagram and I have some worksheets that are for free for those who would like to get on my website as well. And I have uh, books on Amazon. The latest that I published was Crush Stress While You Work. And then uh, the one was five years ago, that's specifically for, for workplace and stress management for adult children of alcoholics, which is also covers everyone who grew up in the childhood trauma. Wonderful. Lolita, thank you so much. I appreciate your willingness to take your time and your energy to come and share your wisdom and your experience and be so transparent with my listeners and maybe, you know, send that lifeline out to someone who might be listening that if they're going through this, that there's a way to do it and to develop resiliency and to not be alone. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting Listeners, I know you have heard something today from Lolita that has been amazing. And you know what? Maybe you're thinking, 
I have a friend or I have a coworker or I have a relative that needs to hear exactly what Lolita is saying, then take this podcast episode and put it on your favorite social media sites, maybe copy and paste the link in text or an email, get it out there, spread the word, let's grow our Phoenix Inflamed community so we can reach out and know that we are all in this together and we're going to have a great future. I hope that you've had a wonderful day and I hope the rest of your day goes fantastically. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.